Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. God says, look, if you spend time in my word, my word will expose your own wicked heart. But here's the problem. If I spend all my time with my thoughts, I'm going to be void of that. But if I take my thoughts and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with all this stuff. I'm going to bring it to you in prayer. I'm going to open up the book. God says, the word will, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. So my heart, though, is deceitful and wicked, and I can't know it. God says, if you spend enough time in my word, I'll expose your own heart to you. I'll, I'll reveal what's there. I'll show you. But we got to get that from the word of God. Amen. Has anyone ever told you to follow your heart? Maybe you got a card that had that written on it. Maybe you heard it in a movie or a TV show. It sounds good to us, but is that really good godly advice? What does the Bible teach us about following our hearts? Pastor Bill shares with you today that the Bible is the key to testing your heart. Without God's Word, your heart can be a tricky thing. It can lead you in all kinds of wrong directions. You need God's Word to keep your heart going in the right direction. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 27 as he begins his message, Follow Your Heart. 1 Samuel chapter 27, let's pray and I ask the Lord to go before us tonight. Father, we come before you now and we thank you for this opportunity to come together as a body, to worship you together, to just to be in fellowship, but God, now to listen to your word. God, we believe that it's alive, that it's powerful. And we ask that as we commit this time to hear from you, God, that you would speak to us as only you can. Meet us in this place. Speak to us, Lord, the things that we need to hear from you. And so, God, give us wisdom from your word. Give us insight, instruction, direction, correction. Stir us, Lord. All the things that you do by your spirit through your word. May you have your way tonight. We give you our undivided attention for these minutes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. So to catch us up for you guys that may be just jumping in with us, and for the part of 1 Samuel we're in, David has been on the run from King Saul. Um, King Saul's been trying to kill him. It's kind of it's kind of getting old now. You know, Saul's chasing David. You know, God's not going to let Saul kill David. He should know it by now. Twice, David caught Saul slipping. Once he caught him in the cave and he cut off the little piece of his robe. Last week in the chapter we looked at, David caught him slipping again. And, and it's, you know, he walked David bravely. Him and his nephew went in. Uh, 3,000 guys all sleeping around Saul. And David crept in and Saul had his spear in the ground near his head and a jug of water. So David took the spear and the jug and took off just to let Saul know later. Look, look man, look. If I was really coming for you, you know, it would be over now. We, and then he, he took the opportunity to uh, to put uh, Saul's uh, Saul's right hand guy, Abner, who David obviously didn't care for to put him on blast. But today it gets dark. Right. For, for the next few chapters, we're going to see David spiral downward. And I'll share why I think and what's going on. We're going to cover tonight. Just chapter 27 is short. Twelve verses. I titled the chapter. Follow your heart. Question mark. That question mark is critically important. I'm not making the statement, follow your heart. I'm, I'm saying follow your heart with a question mark. And so as we begin, before we jump in, how many guys have heard that counsel given before? Just follow your heart. How many guys have heard that, right? That, that's a very popular counsel in, this, in the world in which we live. 
uh, graduation time is coming up for kids. And you're going to hear lights on cards. You guys, you, you, you know what you, just follow your dreams, follow your heart, son. You can make it. You can be whatever you want to be. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that we tell our kids. Y'all know that's baloney. Then that's, but it's popular. It's common. It's, 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 they think it's good for their self-esteem. I think the worst thing you could do is tell a kid he can be anything when you know you can't be anything. You can be something. But y'all know everybody can't be anything. Amen. If you got a son and he's four foot five and his dream is to go to the NBA, son, you could be anything you want. I'm going to be LeBron. No, you're never going to be LeBron. So you need to pick up horseback ride. You could be a jockey. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you're not going to be in the NBA. It's not going down like that. You know, but that's the counsel that we give is false. It's, it's erroneous. And you can find sermons with this title. Follow your heart. You can find ministers. They don't have a verse to support it. But you can find this counsel even seeping through in Christendom. So we want to, I asked a question because I want to annihilate this idea through this chapter, which David, the, the, the first verse we're going to look at just a moment. That's exactly what David does. Everything that goes wrong in David's life for the next few chapters began with verse one of chapter 27. Let's read it now. And David said in his what? In his heart. Now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. That's the first thing. Second, there is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. Thirdly, and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. I'm careful not to beat up Bible characters, but I do want to lay out these lessons for us. I think David is tired. He's weary. He's sick of running from Saul. Problem is God has been faithful the whole time. Amen. It gets weary doing God's work. It gets weary following the Lord. It, there'll be times where it's challenging. It's difficult. But the Bible says don't become weary and well doing. Right. You'll reap eventually if you don't what? You don't faint. You don't lose heart. You know, if you, if you hang in there, you're going to reap eventually. But I think David just got dis discouraged. And and he got to a point where he just he, he rather than what he would normally do, David would normally inquire of the Lord. That's been his pattern. Amen. And it's been a very successful pattern. Whenever David would inquire of the Lord and do what God said, he was always 100 percent of the time victorious. But something has happened here where David's just having a heart conversation. He said within his own heart, David's just sitting there saying, you know what? You know what? I, you know what I think? You know what's going to happen? Now I, she said, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. David has just decided, you know what, man, this is, I'm a, Saul is going to eventually get me, you know? I mean, even though God has delivered me every time, he says, man, eventually this guy is going to get me and kill me. That's what I've decided in my heart. Therefore, I got to make some decisions based on that false conclusion that I made in my heart. This is what's so concerning about people that will listen to their hearts. When you listen to your heart, which we'll look at in just a moment why we shouldn't do that. Your heart is the seat of your emotions. How many guys would say you're emotional? Anybody, any emotional people? All right, all right, all the emotional people. So I can be emotional at times, right? And I can look back and think, if I did what my emotions told me to do, y'all know I wouldn't be here right now? Y'all, I would have prison ministry going on. I, I would, my, my emotions tell me to do bad things a lot of times. And then you wait long enough and, and then, you know, you, you got to take your emotions and, and grit them through the word of God. And then God, is, God says something totally different. I'm like, God, I thought I was supposed to, I thought I was supposed to choke him. And God's like, no, you're supposed to pray for him. That's, 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 that's crazy. That wasn't, that wasn't my first thought, Lord, you know? So 
we got to be careful about that. I'm going to give us a few verses. So bear with me. I got three verses. I want you to write them down. I want you to have them. As you contemplate your life, as you make decisions, as you get hit, your emotions are running wild. As you you're laying in bed thinking real hard about stuff that you should be praying about. I want to give you three reasons why we don't want to listen to our hearts from the word of God. Number one is Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. And I'm going to read that to you real quick. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine, it says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's your heart. Amen. And so someone says, follow your heart. I'm saying, no, the Bible says that my heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things. It's not a little bit deceitful. It's deceitful above all things. That's that's my heart. My emotions, my my myself leading me. And it says desperately wicked. And then it asks this question, who can know it? Y'all know the answer to that question? God, right? You don't even know your own heart. So for the people that are saying, I, I, God knows my heart. He's the only one that does. You don't even know your foul, wicked heart. Now, here's some help with that. What do I do about that? If I don't know my own heart and my heart's deceitfully wicked, what do I have to help me? Has God given us any tools to help us? That's a question. I'm going to throw it out to y'all. Has God given us anything to help us with this deceitful heart? Hebrews 4.12. It says, and many of us know this by heart. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And get this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of your hearts. So God says, look, if you spend time in my word, my word will expose your own wicked heart. But here's the problem. If I spend all my time with my thoughts, I'm going to be void of that. But if I take my thoughts and say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with all this stuff. I'm going to bring it to you in prayer. I'm going to open up the book. God says the word will, is a discerner of the thoughts and intents. So my heart, though, is deceitful and wicked and I can't know it. God says, if you spend enough time in my word, I'll expose your own heart to you. I'll, I'll reveal what's there. I'll show you. But we got to get that from the word of God. Amen. And so, again, I want to make it very clear. You won't get this all by yourself. You won't get this in the car having conversations about yourself. Anybody here talk in the car by yourself about stuff? Don't raise your hands. I know you are. Uh, you know, uh, have them, you know, you can be talking things through on your own. You can just, some of y'all just seethe and think and think and think and, you know, start listening to people and going places. You got to bring all that stuff to the Lord. Our heart is deceitful and wicked, will mislead us, misguide us, lead us in the wrong direction. And so we want to know our hearts de- is deceitful. We want to make sure that we open up the word of God and get direction from the word of God. Third and final verse, and then we'll get back to our study. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it says, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity, bringing every thought, I'm sorry, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so here Paul reminds the Corinthians that look, our warfare is not carnal. Our weapons are not carnal either. And they're mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds. And one of the things that we got to do in this spiritual war that we're in is we got to capture our thoughts. 
And we, we're, so we're responsible. If God says, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. One thing you know in the word of God is God didn't say do something you can't do. So if your mind is running rampant, your mind, God says, take that thought, grab it back, bring it back down here and then sift it through the word of God. Make that thought accountable to the word of God. And if your thought disagrees with the word of God, who's wrong? Throw that away. That's not God. Right? My, my thought, I run through the grid of scripture, it, it, it don't pan out. I need to show that person they got forgive, have mercy, pray for it. That thought does not run through the grid of scripture. I got to let it go. Make it make my thoughts obey God. And so if we do this, it'll keep us from the error that we see David make here. And so back to first Samuel uh, chapter 27. Again, David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. So he's, he's already decided Man, I'm going to lose. Saul's going to get me. There's nothing better for me to do than I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. So David has now decided it, it, the best thing for me to do is to leave the land of promise and to go dwell among the enemies of God in the Philistine territory. If you guys remember just last week, David was saying, you guys just keep chasing me. I can't worship. I need to be in Israel. I need to be among God's people. And now he's just concluded, forget it. I just need to go stay over there. And I need to, God, there's nothing better for me to do then just escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair to seek me anymore in that part of Israel. He said, Saul's not going to bother me there because Saul is a punk and I know he ain't coming to Philistine territory. It's the one thing David got right, but it wasn't God's will for him. He says, so I shall escape out of his hand. This is the problem. David has figured it out himself. This is how I'm going to escape from Saul's hands. Up until now, it was God who kept delivering him from Saul's hand. But this time, David says, I'm sick of trusting God for this. I'm sick of, I'm going to do it myself. I'm, I figured out a way for me to get this done. I want to say this. I really believe as I prayed and prepared this message, I believe that somebody really needs, and that's, I'm not being ooey gooey, you know, super spiritual or anything like that. I really believe that somebody needs to consider this. If you are making a decision with your life because you, you waited on God, but you're tired of waiting on God. So you, you've made a plan of what you can do instead of waiting on God. You need to run that back through the Lord. If you are, if you have tired of waiting on God and so you have crafted a plan of your own doing to speed up whatever it is that you're trying to do, whatever it is that you're hoping God will do. If, if you are trying to help God out, abandon that plan, run back to the Lord and let the Lord direct you again. Don't fall into the trap. David's still a godly man. David's still a man after God's own heart. David's still a good guy. David's still going to heaven when he dies. But his life for, the, for, for a period of time, it's going to be a year and four months here, and there's going to be time afterwards, he's going to go through some stuff. And he's going to, this mistake is going to be, be compounded. When you move into the wrong direction, you, you, typically one mistake will, will, will set you up for the next mistake. Well, this error here and where he goes, the first error was listening to himself. The second error was making a move in light of it. Now he's going to be in the wrong place around the wrong people doing the wrong things for a long time. And one of the things I noted, and I'll say this at the end of the study, is that this period of time that David spends here is one of the few periods of time in Scripture for which there's no Psalms. There's nothing. In some of the darkest moments that David went through in the caves, there were Psalms written. He was communing with the Lord. There was still something that was coming out from that time. This period here, dry, donut. Doesn't seem like anything was going on spiritually. And so we want to be careful about allowing that to happen in our lives. Verse two now, 
It said, then David arose and went over with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, the king of Gath. So I, I don't want to read that too fast, right? David makes a huge life decision for himself based on the dictates of his heart. But now he moves his own family. David's got his two wives. But the 600 men that were with him, them and they were their wives come. I want you to just think of how many lives that has to be. If, if 600 men, their wives and kids, this is thousands of people that are all, they're all rolling with David's the leader. And we're rolling with you, bro. Because you, you've been, you know, we, we, we look to you, we're riding with you, we're rolling with you. Up until now, David's been following the Lord. But right now, David's going the wrong way and he's got a whole bunch of people that are coming with him. And that's something for us to consider. He takes 600 men and their families into this venture with them. And it, it said at the end of, of verse two, they were with him. Uh, he went to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. So he went to the king of Gath. Now, Achish, that name, because this is the same name that David, when David went to, Phil, to the land of Philistine before, and he, he acted crazy and he let drool run down his beard. Some people think Achish is a title, like Pharaoh. Um, like this might not be the same guy, but this is another person or it is the exact same person. Either way, they would say, well, how come David went the first time and was afraid and this time he's not? Because this time David showed up with 600 thugs and last time David was by himself. So that's the answer to that question. How come he's not afraid this time? He's not drooling at the beard because I got 600 thugs with me and, uh, and y'all know what the time it is if y'all want battle, you know, so so that's why that is. So but David is now essentially seeking the favor of a pagan king. Um, he's gone to enemy territory, taking all these people with him, and he's going to submit himself to Philistine pagan leadership. Verse three. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each man with his household, David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Couple things. Verse three, this is especially important when you're a spiritual leader like David, that you make godly decisions because of other people following your lead. And David is a spiritual leader. Everybody here is in some, if you're a believer, you're a spiritual leader to somebody. You might think, I'm not a spiritual leader. I'm not a king like David. I'm not a pastor of a church. I'm not, are you a mother? Are you a friend? Are you the only Christian that somebody knows? Somebody is looking at you saying, that's that guy, that girl right there. Someone's looking at you. And so it's important for David that he would have followed the Lord. But it's also there's a responsibility, right? I'm individually a believer and it behooves me to follow God for myself. But I'm a husband. So it behooves me for my wife's sake that I would follow the Lord. I'm a dad. It behooves me for my children's sake that I would follow the Lord. And I'm a pastor. It behooves me for the sake of the church and those that would respect my leadership here that I would follow the Lord. Whatever your walk of life, somebody's looking at you. Somebody regards you. Somebody respects your, your leadership, even if they don't say so. And it matters. To, to David's mistake, there, there's not, it's not just going to be his mistake after a while. Other people are going to be affected by the decision that he makes. Um, verse four tells us that the plan initially worked out. David was right about that one thing. He knew Saul was not going to venture down in the Philistine territory because Saul is a coward. And he knew that Saul ain't got no heart. 
And so sometimes the worst thing that can happen is that we can do it our way and be right because we can become confident in our flesh. I knew it. See, it worked. Aha. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't, you, don't, you don't have to tell us what you did, but some of us have done it our way and it worked. Some of y'all have cheated and it worked. Or you, you did something that, you know, you knew wasn't necessarily right and it worked initially. And we got to be careful about it. I think we're most going to be most careful about the times when it looks like it worked because then we can be confident. Then it can become a pattern. Then we can become confident in the flesh rather than being confident in the Lord, which is what we need. Verse five, it says, then David said to Achish, if I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in, this, in the country that I may dwell there. For why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? I want you to look how David's talking to this pagan king. This is a guy that he should be whooping on. He should go. David should run up in, in this in Gath and just start slicing these guys up. But David is speaking to them like he would speak to someone that he reveres. And he said, look, if, if I found favor in your sight. And I just want you to note that never in David's history has he ever cared about finding favor in the sight of some Philistine. He, David's always been concerned with having favor in the sight of who? The Lord. So a clue that we're headed in the wrong direction is when we're looking to others for that which we need from God. God, I need favor from you. Shouldn't be looking for it from someone else. God, I need provision from you. I shouldn't be looking to someone else. God, I need whatever it is. I need strength from you. I need open doors from you. I need, I need you to do it. I got to be very careful when I start looking to people and persons to be and to do what only God is supposed to be and do for my life. That's a clue that I'm, I'm moving in the wrong direction. And so again, David is now seeking eyes, uh, favor in the eyes of, of an enemy king. Um, this again, this has never been the case for him. And so we want to be careful about that. Be careful that you're not seeking favor, seeking direction. Some of us, sometimes believers are looking for direction from outside of the realm of God's people, outside the realm of God's wisdom or counsel. Um, sometimes people are looking for other things outside the realm of the Lord. Be careful about going outside of God to try to get something that you need to wait on the Lord for. You need God to be the one to provide it for you. So David is asking them to give him somewhere to live. And I want you, he says, you know, why should I, why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So David is letting them know I'm here to serve you guys. I'm, I'm here as a servant. Give me somewhere for me and my people to go and live. So we want, we shouldn't be down here in the royal city with you guys. Verse six. So Agus gave him Ziglag that day. Therefore, Ziglag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and four months. And so they give him an area. Uh, again, it looks like at first sight for David, it's working out. We went down here. Um, you know, we found favor with the Philistine king. We asked him to give us somewhere. They've given us somewhere to live. I mean, it looks like everything is going. Everything is clicking. The problem is David's not talking to the Lord. David's not getting any of this from God. Everything that he's getting right now is between himself and adversaries. That's it. That's he's interacting with the enemy and not with the Lord. That that's a huge difference from his normal routine, which is he would inquire of the Lord and God would specifically direct him 
and provide for him. And he would go in obedience to what God had said do. Now David has taken his life into his own hand and the 600 men and their families, and he's doing it his way. We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. We're currently in the book of 1 Samuel. Many of the childhood Bible stories stem from this book. David is a main character, and he came from humble means. He was a simple shepherd boy, but God had great things in mind for him. He was a musician also, and this served him well as he was able to help King Saul. But more than these occupational type of skills, David had a heart for God like no other. God refers to David as a man after his own heart. What a compliment coming from the very creator of everything. This doesn't mean that David was perfect. As we all know, he wasn't. But his heart was continually coming back to God, seeking help, asking for refuge, and coming back with a repentant heart. This is the type of heart God wants from each of us. Do you find yourself looking up to David and his character? If you'd like to learn more about David in 1 Samuel, feel free to listen to more teachings from this series on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's calvaryinglewood.org. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this eventful book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today. And Pastor Bill will be back with more in the coming edition of 1 Samuel. Until then, keep your head in the Word and your heart close to God. Then, make sure to come back for another insightful edition of A Transforming Word.